in his presence, peace of mind can still be found. We're so grateful for his presence and we're grateful for his peace of mind. At his feet, peace of mind can still be found. But in his presence, there is joy beyond measure and at his feet, peace of mind can still be found. We're thankful that we can be in his presence anywhere and we can go to his feet anywhere. Anywhere we can, we can lay ourselves at the feet of Jesus and be, have that peace of mind and call his name and say, deliver me from the havoc of this world. Deliver me from the chaos of this world. And he brings peace and he brings comfort. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas. I saw a joke the other day, and I'm not one for telling jokes over the pulpit, but I thought this was cute and relevant to the season. It said, what if there had been three wise women instead of three wise men? Three wise women would have asked for directions, arrived on time, formed a delivery team to assist with the baby delivery, cleaned up the stable, brought practical gifts like diapers and blankets, <laughs> made a casserole for the family, <laughs> and there would be peace on earth. Now, I don't know how true all that is, but I thought it was fun, and uh, men and women definitely do uh, approach things differently. I think we can all agree and appreciate that. And believe it or not, the Lord put this on my heart two weeks ago that today would be talking about the Prince of Peace. We've talked about peace in the songs. And, and by the way, can I just pat myself on the back once real quick? Did anybody catch the key change in Silent Night? A one-chord key change. Woo! <laughs> That's not something I learned how to do when I was younger, but I'm trying. Because <laughs> sometimes I mess it up pretty badly, <laughs> getting from one place to another. But that one went well, so <laughs> that's just a little plug. Sorry. <laughs> I won't let it happen very often, I promise. But today we do want to talk about the Prince of Peace. In the book of Romans, we're not going to read this, I'm just going to tell you. If you want to be turning to Isaiah chapter 9, we are going to be reading there. But in the book of Romans, in the 16th chapter, in the 20th verse, the Apostle Paul made this declaration as he was signing off the letter to the Romans the Christians in Rome, and he said, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. What a beautiful proclamation of hope that he was giving to the Romans, the Christians there, that don't worry, it won't be very long until the God of peace will bruise Satan under your Feet. Now the commentary on this verse says that the word bruise here means to completely crush, to utterly destroy and bring to helplessness. 
and that this passage is speaking of the second coming of Jesus Christ, that when he comes for the second time after the millennium, this is when this will happen, and we will know that Jesus reigns on the throne forever and ever. And if you have turned to the book of Isaiah, in chapter 9, in the preceding chapters before 9, Isaiah is recounting the awful darkness that was coming to Israel and even to the land itself because of her disobedience and her arrogance in thinking that they could prevail against the king of Israel, excuse me, the king of Assyria, the mightiest harshest king that had it in for Israel and that they could do this on their own power without first humbling their hearts before God and seeking his help for this battle. And God said, I want to rule you. I want to unite you. At this time, of course, Israel was split between the northern and the southern kingdoms of Israel and Judah. He said, I want to treat you like a peaceful flowing river, but instead you've rebelled and you will be swallowed up by this raging torrent, which would be the king of Assyria. And yet the people blamed God for their plight. Reading in chapter nine, Isaiah was speaking of a coming light a breaker of the darkness and a deliverer from the oppressor's slavery, the prince of peace. Reading verse 1, But nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. And the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. And they will rejoice before you as the people rejoice at the harvest, and like the warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery, the you who is coming, will break the, the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from off their shoulders and you will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. Verse five, the boots of the warrior and the uniforms blood-stained by war will all be burned and they will be fuel for the fire. Verse six, all of this is because, all of this is for. A child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. And his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. 
the passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. The King James says, and the zeal of the Lord will see that it's done. Somebody might ask the question, why would Jesus be called the Prince of Peace and not the King of Peace? After all, he was the king of the Jews. Why not be the king of peace? It's because he was acting under the authority of his father who sent him. His father put the weight of the justice of the world upon his shoulder, and that made him a prince to his father, the king. Jesus came as a messenger sent by God. 1 John 4, 9 says, and he became obedient to the cross. But can we say that Jesus is still the prince of peace with all the injustice in our world today? We can, and I'm going to give you five reasons why we can say that Jesus is still the Prince of Peace. Because through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have been justified by faith and we have made peace with God. Romans 5 and 1. And Ephesians 2, 13 through 16 assures us that though we were once afar off from God, now through the blood of Jesus Christ, we've been brought near to him. And in Jesus himself, through the blood that he shed, he established peace between us and God. Number two, Jesus provides peace in the midst of chaos and circumstances. When the storm arose on the sea and the ship was going down and the disciples were so afraid, Jesus simply addressed the wind and the waves and their circumstances, they were dire circumstances, but he spoke to those circumstances and he said, peace, be still, and they obeyed his voice. In John 16.33, these things have I spoken to you so that in me, in me, you may have peace, Jesus said. The world you will have tribulation, but take courage because I have overcome the world. Also in John, when he told the disciples that he was going back to the Father, Jesus said, don't be afraid. I'm leaving my peace with you and you will be able to be overcomers because I've overcome this world and all of its circumstances. Number three, Jesus provides peace in the family. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. He admonishes us to stay inside that bond of peace because the world system tries so hard to pull us out of that bond in so many ways. 
But the old song says, the only real peace that I have, dear Lord, is in you. And peace is a gift, a fruit of the Spirit, along with love. It's one of the ways that we are marked for Christ. So as we walk in that Spirit, there will be peace among the family and the church. Number four, Jesus is the peace that rules our minds and our hearts. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. A few weeks ago, Joyce quoted the scripture that says to be anxious for nothing. It's the Prince of Peace that gives us the ability to ward off that anxiety. And I found that if scripture doesn't directly and specifically speak about a particular matter, the Holy Spirit will certainly guide us to a general wisdom from the word of God from which we can rely upon that a peaceful outcome and decision can be made. And number five, and the fifth reason that Jesus is not only our peace, Prince of Peace, here on, uh, on this earth, but our eternal peace. We read in Isaiah 6 through 7 that he will be the Prince of Peace and there will be no end to his government or his throne and that he will uphold it in justice and righteousness which produces peace. One of our city ordinances, even in the city of Campbell, is designed to protect our peace. And if someone or something is doing something disruptive, they may be cited for disturbing the peace. We had a dog that lived behind us that disturbed my peace constantly at night for hours and hours and hours. And I wrote the man a letter and said, Please, we don't want to have to get authorities involved, but you're disturbing our peace by leaving your dog outside to bark hysterically all night long. And he definitely did take care of that. I think they moved because I haven't heard the dog in a long time. But peace is important. And we know that our spiritual enemy's number one goal is to disturb that peace the peace in our country, the peace in our heart, in our mind, the peace in our family. In Luke 2.14, at the birth of Jesus, the angel proclaimed, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. Sometimes we forget how to maintain that peace when we're facing overwhelming circumstances. But remind ourselves in Isaiah 26 and 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you because he trusts in you. 
It's simple. And we can lean hard upon him. Israel only had to cry out for God, for deliverance. Only had to cry out in humility, help us. And he would have delivered them from the awful hand of the Assyrians. But they couldn't do it. But we can. We can rest easy in him. And when we do these things, these experiences will bring the Prince of Peace to us. Just before I close, I want to share a story with you that the Lord prompted me to write in October. It was before the anniversary of Jim's passing this past October, and I was praying and thinking and recognizing the Lord for his tremendous covering over my life. And these words just started coming, so I wrote them down, and I thought that it was just for the magazine that I write for that I, I thought it would be printed, and it, it was. It was printed this month in that magazine. But I'd like to share it with you if that's all right. It's called Four Christmases. Four Christmases without him. Celebrating anything is very hard without my soulmate, helpmate, spiritual mate, my life mate. 46 years of being together, working, loving, raising kids, growing in God, pastoring and just living life together. It was not always easy, but it was always good. But when your partner dies just weeks before Christmas, it literally changes everything about the season. That first year, so raw and, and alone, I had no heart to celebrate, not to put up a tree, not to decorate the house or anything else. The boys encouraged me to, but I just couldn't do it. For one thing, all my decorations were stored in the attic of the house, which Jim had built 20 years prior, and he went up there as often as he wanted to or needed to, but I'd never been up there. God is so mindful of us, especially in times of despair. Proverbs tells us that there's a time and a season for everything. There's a time to look for something we've lost and a time to stop looking and accept the loss. About three weeks before that first Christmas without him, when I didn't want to even think about a tree, no decorations, the Lord healed a spot in my heart. It was small, but I knew that it was him. And it was enough that my passion for celebrating the birth of Jesus, who we know is truly the reason for the season, was sparked, as well as the tradition of and my passion for sewing handmade gifts at Christmas time. And I began thinking, maybe I can find some little something that's Christmassy that I can make easily. And I did. And I forgot to bring it. I was going to bring it and show it to you. I printed out a free online pattern by a lady named Rebecca Page, and I made myself and my loved ones a stuffed Christmas tree out of bright colored Christmas fabrics 
And I stuffed their little branches so full that they would stand up nice and tall and straight. And I made myself three of them in varying heights and sizes using festive red and black buffalo plaid flannel. And I grouped them together on a little tray on my dining room table and created a little winterscape around them. It wasn't much, but it provided a handmade gift for giving to those that I loved who had supported me and loved me so through this loss. And it gave me something to look at and celebrate as the season went on in my house. During the next spring after that first Christmas, I determined that I would not spend another one without some of my own decorations. So thanks to my sweet boys, they drug down all 17 bins of decorations, including a beautiful Martha Stewart eight-foot pre-lit tree that we had bought just two years before Jim passed away, and we packed it in an expensive case to protect it. I painstakingly went through 46 years of decorations, some of them from very lean years when we didn't have very much. Many were antiques and handmade by my precious grandma. Some were made by the kids and grandkids in grade school, but I just couldn't keep everything. I returned everything that I didn't choose to keep to its maker, if they were still available, and offered all the rest to other family members or donated the leftovers, and I kept only the most cherished items. For those, I determined that I would keep only what I could store in one section of a walk-in closet in the guest bedroom, and most importantly, that I had to be able to manage everything that I kept all by myself without anyone's help. And that meant that that beautiful tree that I had handmade gorgeous bows and ribbons for when we first bought it, and I'm talking picture-worthy bows. I actually took a class online to learn how to do it. <laughs> and they streamed down from the top of the tree to the bottom. My... Precious kids, I just can't say enough <laughs> how I love and appreciate them. They scolded me a bit and said, Mom, it's your tree, and you can have it if you want it. You can bring it down. We'll go get it every year and bring it down for you. And we'll just put it back in the attic in its case when you get done. Well, I agreed with them partially. I did keep it, but it hasn't been down from the attic since. And it's the only thing of mine that's still up there as far as I know. But before the next Christmas, I bought a tiny, spindly, little three-foot tree that came in a skinny little box. And as soon as it got delivered, I thought, oh my goodness, 
This is a Charlie Brown tree if there ever was one, and I was right. But I had kept quite an assortment of flower picks and the ribbons and the bows. And that year, I made that little tree so full and so big for its size by adding all this stuff to it. And I stood it up on the round table in my living room in front of the big picture window and I draped my beautiful velvet Christmas tree skirt that I've had for so many years around it. And I stacked all the presents on the floor around it. And it looked so beautiful. And best of all, I did it all by myself. I didn't need anybody's help to lift and carry big heavy bins or boxes down the steep stairs. The first year of that little tree, right after Thanksgiving, I made a dinner and I invited the three littlest grandkids at the time, Claire and Evan and Jake, to have a sleepover with me. And we decorated that little tree together. We hung garlands and bows on the staircase and put candles and a star on the mantel. We watched Home Alone. I got permission from the dads. <laughs> we watched Home Alone and ate popcorn in the living room and remembered Grandpa. And it looked and it felt like Christmas. God was so good. The next Christmas, I used that same little tree but I changed up the colors of the decorations and the bows and displayed the little, three little red buffalo plaid trees on my dining room table and it's, they're there again this year. This Christmas will be the fourth without him. I've survived the hardest ones, I think, and now I want to add something new. Well, sort of new because I gave away the one I already had that I didn't like and never liked. Jim bought it and I hated it the minute he brought it in the house. It was a nativity set. And I didn't like it because it had a bunch of hay and moss and it just got all over everything. It leaked all of its leaves and everything all over the place. And it wasn't what I wanted at all, but he loved it, so we used it every year. But now I'm looking for the one I want. <laughs> Just the right one. And it's very small, and it's mostly all wood. There's no faces on any of the pieces. There's very little color. It's almost all white. And there's only a few of the pieces, and there's absolutely no moss or hay on the manger. I'm already looking forward to this Christmas, thinking about how gracious the Lord has been to me and how far he's brought me from that first Christmas and the recovery that he's brought to my heart. Thinking about what I can make for loved ones that they might like, and I did, I found some things thinking about what to preach for this Sunday morning and next that will be just right for the occasion and that will let the world know that Jesus is the reason for the season and to give thanks because it rings once again in my heart. God bless you.
I love you so much. Thank you for letting me share that with you. If you would stand. Father, you knew that we would need peace. You knew that we weren't capable of producing it on our own. So you sent us the Prince of Peace. And with him, Lord, his blood, his spirit, and his covering over us, we can have peace in this world. Oh, how we thank you, Lord. How we recognize what you've done for us. How we lean hard upon you, Lord. And we bow our hearts in humility and say, Oh God, deliver us and bring that peace to us now. We thank you for this season, O oh Lord, that we can recognize and celebrate the birth of your precious, precious boy, the man Jesus born to us. And I pray, Lord, now that you would bless the rest of this time Bless the food that's coming our way, Lord. Bless the fellowship among us and let that peace of mind and heart and family and church reign among us. And we will give you the praise and the glory for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, can you be seated for another minute? Uh, Don's got some things he wants to, and the food isn't quite here yet, so we have a few minutes. Everybody here has at least one gift to receive, and if you count the candy cane, that's two. I would like to ask Evan and Claire to assist and to do this in... Wait, no, no, no. See, you would think that the most efficient way to do this would be to have Evan and Claire take this pile of gift cards and these candy canes and go around passing them out like communion. I have a more dramatic idea, which is that they are going to take to each party here today. Can you take this to Michael and Nancy, please? And return when you're done. See, this has the benefit of personalizing the gift with a trip for each one here and giving the kids exercise at the same time, which they have so much energy. It's okay. We have just another couple of gifts. Sister Becky, we would just like to thank you and recognize you and your contributions to this church. As a deaconess of this church, your kindness, your faithfulness, your wisdom, your beauty, everything that you bring to bear to this role, we appreciate you always. I love this kid. <laughs> Merry Christmas, and before you go, okay, before you go, these are for Sister Watson. Now, we didn't do as we've done before, a pound of nuts and chews for each person here, you kind of get the equivalent with the gift card because the, these are expensive. But we wouldn't want Sister Watson to call a recall on any of us in our roles or positions for not doing that. 
We want to bless you with this, uh, these nuts and chews from Seas Candy because we hope we know you, you, you enjoy them. Yes, she does. We all do. Hold on. <laughs> now, if you didn't get a box of nuts and chews, and that would be all of us except for Sister Watson, there is in the kitchen another pound of nuts and chews that we will open and share. So this is a sharing exercise. There's also a small box of peanut brittle from Seas Candy. So for the rest of us, it's a bit of a sampling. If you cozy up to Sister Watson, she may share extra, but that's up to her. She's under no obligation to do that. And Becky, did you wanna do any? We will have, hello, welcome. Tracy's family is just joining us for the party. Um, and then also the pizza, again, will be coming in a few minutes, so we'll be keeping an eye out for that. Are you going to do your warm-up? Should no. I do that first? Oh, I don't know. No, go ahead. Yeah. No. Audrey, would you mind coming up, please? This is such a privilege. I, I feel like it's such an honor to be able to stand up here and tell these two and their lovely children how very much... I can't do this without crying, so just accept what you mean to this church. I think I can honestly say from the bottom of my heart that the hats you wear for this church are too numerous. We can never thank you guys enough, ever, 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 for everything you do. And I also think it's safe to say without the Haynes family, some don't get in the spotlight as much as others, Doug, but we appreciate and I don't think that we would have the Calvary Temple that we have today if you guys hadn't stepped up and do what you do. And I know you do it because the Lord told you to do it. And you're obedient and you're very, very faithful servants. And this is just a small token of how very much we love and appreciate you both. You mean the world to us. Thank you so much, Becky. That is so kind and sweet and beautiful. And uh, we have one more for our pastor. So if mom, you would come up. This is a Christmas gift for you. We have one person who puts in the time with the Lord every week. And we know, I was thinking this week about Pastors gone by and some spending less time and less effort. I know there are some who work full-time. Dad worked full-time. Um, but she is so dedicated in what she does for this church and in making sure that each week we have, she has heard from the Lord and, and brought us the word from the Lord and the word from the scripture. And, and, and she's so faithful in that and faithful to this church, dedicated to this church, carrying on the commitment that her and dad started before we were born and uh, carry on today. And we appreciate knowing that she is so true to the word of God and, to, and so faithful to what he tells her to say and leads her in. And we can be, be comfortable and secure in knowing that we are in a place that sticks with the Lord and that he speaks to her and she is chosen by him to lead this church for such a time as this. And we are all blessed and and appreciate that, and, and we all benefit from the Lord's choice 
and the Lord's plan and the Lord's wisdom and the Lord's purposes, which we don't always understand, but which we trust in him. And we are blessed by you. We appreciate you. The church appreciates you. We are in good hands with you. Thank you. You don't have to leave. One time, the kids weren't born yet. And I was sitting on the pew where Sharon is sitting, right there. And Nancy Harmon was on the organ right here, right here. She took her teeth out and kicked her shoes off and just went to town on that organ and singing and worshiping the Lord. And she stopped and she looked back and she said, the lady in the back, on the back row, in the blue dress with the white collar, and I didn't make any move or recognize that it was me, and she said, I'm talking about you with the blonde hair next to the guy with the black hair, and your hand is on your face like this. I want you to stand up. And I stood up, and she prophesied to me that the Lord was going to use me in preaching to people. For a long, long time, I thought, she missed it. I had no intention of standing up here or anywhere else and preaching to people. None whatsoever. I felt like I was used of the Lord in certain ways, but that wasn't one of them. But guess what? <laughs> the Lord knows differently. And he saw way down the road things I couldn't see. Never would have realized then. And I'm thankful that he does that. And I look back at that, that time now. And her up there with her teeth sitting on the organ. <laughs> and her shoes kicked off and just... I love her to death. She's a, a wonderful saint of God, and she listens to the Lord. So I just wanted to share that. If anybody needs to drop their teeth and shoes and get comfortable, feel free. Uh, but the pizza will be coming soon, and you may need them for that. And that, that's what Mom just said is kind of an object lesson in when somebody prophesies over you or gives you a word. I know I have spent plenty of time explaining to God how it's wrong because it hasn't happened and because it probably can't because we're not getting any younger and, and so it, it, you know, it probably wasn't true and we, I can probably move on from that thing that was said because they probably didn't hear from you anyway, God, and then, you know, he has a way of saying uh, it wasn't in your time, it wasn't in your estimation, it didn't make sense to you, you could have never played it out in your head to work in the circumstances as they exist around us today, but he moves circumstances, he moves obstacles, he moves space and time, nothing limits him, and when he gives a word or a prophecy over us, he's gonna bring it to pass. And so we might as well just settle in and go along for the ride and trust him to lead us in all that he has for us.